0: Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast.
1: Welcome to uh, Next Generation Generosity. This is going to be a fantastic conversation with uh, some leaders who are um, really at the forefront of trying to help Church leaders, um, really, as you try to engage with the people in your church, particularly around generosity, and um, you know, we know know that at the end of the day, a part of what we're called to do is to help people live a generous lifestyle. And today, um, we're going to talk about some tools and some approaches, and and a particular study that's been done uh, on this this uh, conversation. And so, we're going to just go around the bullhorn. Maybe start with you, Steve. Why don't you introduce yourself uh, in your organization? Then we'll go, Derek uh, and Randy. So, Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, about who you are and what is it that you do?
2: Thanks, Rich. Um hi, my name's Steve Caton. I'm part of the leadership team here at Church Community Builder and um uh, I am also an avid skier, so living in Colorado is a good thing <laughs> for me. Sitting here looking at Pikes Peak out my window, that's uh it always makes going to work really easy when you do that. But, we don't have um, a view church... like
1: that here in New Jersey. I'm looking out my window and I see the parkway. <laughs> that's that's it. So
2: <laughs> you got a nice office there though. Yeah, it's say. not
1: a bad office.
2: <laughs> uh, so, Jeff, yeah, uh, did you you want me to talk a little bit about church community builder? Yeah, as tell well, us Rich? a little
1: bit about church community builder as well.
2: Yeah, so uh, just in a nutshell, what, uh, what we really are—we're known for church management software. That's how most people in the marketplace know us, and that's that's great. We've been doing that since 2002. But the uh, kind of the why behind that for us is that we really are inspired to equip church leaders to steward the people that God's uh, brought to their church and help them understand whether people are moving forward. Mm-hmm. Their engagement with the church and and discipleship with Christ. So they going forward. Are they going backwards? Are they kind of stuck? Um, so that the church leader can be proactive about reaching out to those people and just loving on them and making sure that uh, that yeah that they are that they're getting what everyone what we all hope that they get from their relationship uh, with our churches and, and with God. And so and we do that through the software. We also offer uh, coaching. That really is about aligning up uh, software with processes in the church and that sort of thing. And then we offer a peer-to-peer learning community strategy called Tribes, which has been a lot of fun too. So that's that's in a nutshell. That's who we are and what we do.
1: Very cool, Derek. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself um, and tell us uh, about e-church giving as well?
3: Sure. Hi everybody, you can see me okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Derek Gillette, I started uh, on with the eChurch giving and Pushpay team about uh, 90 days ago, so I'm hoping for that uh, 90 day review to go well, which is <laughs> sometime next week or so, fingers uh, <laughs> crossed. Um, but, uh, but the team's been great over here, you know, it's growing like crazy, um, even though we've been around as a company for two, three years, uh, we're just kind of launching in the States uh, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Really focusing on how do we help uh, churches and faith-based communities engage those new and young givers, especially. Um, you know, we just have this idea that there are always going to be that faithful 20%. They're going to give no matter what method you put in front of them. But then, how do we increase that number to 25 or 30%? Just simply mm-hmm. by the tools uh, and making things really easy and accessible. Um, so I've had I've had a really great time these last 90 days, just having a ton of conversations uh, mm-hmm. with pastors and other church leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, we were able to turn some of those conversations into a short little uh, e-book um, called Be Prolific, uh, which is available on Noise Trade uh, right now, which is, mm-hmm. which was pretty fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and personally, uh, my wife and I have five kids, if you can believe that. I mean, the haircut and the shape. <laughs> you know? um, but that's, it's been a ton of fun to, uh, to be a dad as well.
1: Nice. Very cool. Well, Randy, uh, we're so glad you're here as well from Mag Bookkeeping. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and also
4: about Meg? Sure, Will. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, I'm a recovering executive pastor. So <laughs> spent 13 years, wonderful years as an executive pastor at a church in Tennessee that grew from 400 to about 3,000 people.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: When it got to that size, I realized that my gifts, passion, and ability, and the church's needs had grown apart. And so it was pretty clear God was opening a door for an, another chapter. Mm-hmm. Spent five subsequent years doing church consulting across the country with churches especially that were growing in need of expansion and structural change and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed about a lot of them, not everybody, um, was that their finances uh, and financial reporting oftentimes was a mess. Mm-hmm. And so met um, uh, my old friends and colleagues that had started Mag Bookkeeping as part of a, a larger company uh, to serve churches, uh, doing doing bookkeeping, but more than that, doing financial, um, all things financial, payroll, um, uh, offering some CFO coaching and consulting, and just really allowing pastors and church leaders to focus on ministry and basically say, we've got your finances. Mm-hmm. We've got it for you, and we can we can handle it. And so um, I'm the VP of uh, operations for MAG Bookkeeping, and we serve churches really across the country mm-hmm. with virtual bookkeepers across the country. And we are privileged to get the best of the best because our our team loves getting to stay at home and work a flex schedule, but carry, uh, use their gifts and abilities as bookkeepers and their passion in local churches. So wonderful. um mm-hmm to see the convergence of these folks with uh, churches across the country that really need the services. So that's, cool. that's a bit about us.
1: We're recording this in January. That must mean that this is uh, a busy time of year for you, right? There's a, a lot going on being a church leader, I, trying to close our books for one in one church. I can imagine what it must be like for you guys trying to close the books on all of those churches. Yes. Uh, that's incredible. Yes. Well, well, we're gonna uh, be taking some questions. Hopefully, later on, if you've got questions, please just feel free to enter them into the side box. There, we'll uh, we'll hopefully get to some of those. Uh, but Steve, why don't we start with you? Um, why did you set out to do this uh, next generation generosity research? What was kind of what were you thinking uh, when you said, "Hey, we need to we need to set out and, and maybe put together a bit of a report here"? Yeah, you know, a couple of
2: things. Uh, struck me, Rich, that I wanted to, to dig a little deeper on. Number one, just as I think about um, my giving habits and the giving habits of all of my peers, um, and I, by the way, I'm not like the youngest guy on the uh, on that webinar. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I know that this a lot of what I'll share is sort of native to this next generation of givers, but I think what we're going to talk about is also more native to... People that are kind of in their forties and fifties, then we realized so I just kind of hanging out with people that I hang out with. I noticed that no one carries checkbooks anymore. Right. And you, you see the I watch the offering plate go by in the church and I see hardly anybody putting cash or checks in there. And so I'm like, I wonder, you know, I wonder how people are giving to the churches that, that I'm visiting. And so I would go look at their websites and things like that to see how uh, well, how easy they were making it uh, for people to give online and you just see kind of a real wide variety of experiences there. So I was just curious and really wanted to dig into that. The second thing is, is that before I came to work for Church Community Builder, I worked in the uh, nonprofit profit world okay? mm-hmm. so Was uh, in the nonprofit world they've been wrestling with this online giving and digital giving thing for a little longer I think than the local church has been a little ahead of the curve in terms of trying to meet that demand and, and what I've seen there is some pretty amazing statistics mm-hmm. about what happens when they make giving easier uh, through digital uh, venues and uh, I just was curious to see if we would see that same kind of result in the local church with the sampling that we we're looking at.
1: Nice. So now Derek, kind of following on with that, um, you know, what are some of the best practices that churches are, are, are finding when it comes to this kind of whole implementing both you know, online and mobile um, giving? What are some of the things that you've learned through this you know, this process?
3: Yeah, well there's a lot of uh, technical aspects to it, of course, that we know. Um, but I would say that the, that the biggest thing to start with uh, for churches that are kind of considering uh, how to reach those new givers is just the belief or the mindset uh, of your church and of your board and and of the people mm. in leadership.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, we know that a lot of things with faith uh, start with a belief system. Um, and so the thing that we really uh, talk uh, talk to uh, a lot of churches and pastors about is just that technology doesn't have to be the opposite of obedience, um, mm-hmm. and that there's a way to kind of combine those two things together. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that would that would be kind of the biggest, the biggest uh, best practice that I, I would recommend to people. Um, One of the uh, the analogies that I like to to walk people through because I'm a big fan of metaphors and analogies is just to think about the evolution of the camera mm-hmm. and how the camera used to be this specialized tool that only the best of the best could do. If you think about like Civil War pictures and, and portraits of Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. and it was just this, this lengthy process where you had one shot to get it right. Um, and then turning into, you know, the film camera and everyone would have a camera um, but still, the delay between pushing click and then getting that processed was was lengthy. It was days, and sometimes that film would never get processed. And so the um, you know the number of moments that were captured were still were still less than could be mm. And then when we had you know the digital camera and then finally the smartphone, that really opened up this idea that every single person can be a photographer. Mm. Uh, that there's nothing wrong with that. I think that there was a little bit of a belief or a mindset switch that happened where, why would someone now pull out a disposable camera at a wedding, which they used to do, everyone there is a photographer and everyone can in real time share and capture the moments and the memories. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with the camera, it's easier for us to really understand that that that's not causing any pain or harm to people. Uh, It's it's really just opening the door for really great uh, things to happen and um, for socially people to be brought together. And so we know that it's a really tough thing for churches because it does feel like technology sometimes goes against faith and heart and obedience. Um, but, you know, we would just love to encourage them to kind of talk and dialogue through that um, to, to find a way to marry those two things together.
1: Okay. Um, now, Randy, uh, well, you, you know you work with a lot of different churches across the country. Um, you know, what have been some of the benefits that churches have found um, as they start to shift towards more kind of mobile giving? Obviously, this might begin to tap some of the, you know, the the research that came out, um, you know, around some of the responses. Why don't you kind of give us a sense of that?
4: Yeah, I I think that oftentimes um, people may think incorrectly about this subject, thinking that the um, that the, um, you know, that the church is creating something instead of removing an obstacle or a barrier. And I think what incumbent on leadership, I think one of the things that's incumbent on leadership is to remove obstacles or barriers okay. and uh, recognizing where people are, where our culture is, how, how rapidly things have changed in the way people transact mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and pay things. Um, you know I, I think it's really important to to keep up with removing obstacles or barriers that are artificial uh, mm-hmm. that and allow people to do what God's leading them to do and particularly with younger folks that um, you know many people under thirty probably don't even know how to write a check right they probably have never written a check right and um, you know uh, so. That's that's the approach that I think is important to keep in mind. Is this is a you know we've allowed barriers to form because we haven't uh, kept up with where people are and, and and what they are. And so as we call people to things, let's make it as easy as possible. Uh, Derek used the word obedience. I think it's a good word. You know, mm-hmm. to to be obedient to God's leading in this area. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Nice. So, uh, Steve, um, quick question to you, kind of twofold. First, um, if a church, you know, is looking to set out to kind of add some next generation giving solutions, you know, some of the things that we talk about in the in the report, what are some common pitfalls? And then, isn't just mobile giving? Isn't that just for small amounts? Isn't that just going to uh, playing a little bit of the devil's advocate here? Isn't that just about you know, you know, text, you know, Red Cross to ten ten ten? And I'm gonna, you're gonna get five dollars. We, you know, I'm sure the people who are listening in realize that the church isn't driven, you know, financially on, you know, donations by that. So, why don't we talk a little bit about those two? So, how, what are some common missteps? And then, isn't this just all about, you know, small donations?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I love the the second question. <laughs> so, uh, definitely look forward to answering that. I'll, I'll save that one. So, talk about the pitfalls. Though, mm-hmm. here the pitfalls that we see. Commonly, with any kind of uh, digital giving uh, implementation of digital giving, there's two big ones that we experience. One is that uh, whatever tool is chosen uh, makes it just too complicated, right? You've really got to simplify that process for the giver. Uh, if they've got to fill out too many uh, fields, complete too many fields, or you know, they can they have to be you know left-handed and blue-eyed to be able to find <laughs> up for recurring giving. It, they're, they're going to they're gonna opt out of that process really quick. So right. solutions that require too many steps is a pitfall. And I'll say that sometimes this falls on the church, too. And, and mm-hmm. you've probably seen this, Rich, where a church will say, hey, if you want to give, click here. And then they take you to a page where they talk about, where they try to preach a sermon on giving. Right. And then at the bottom of the page, there's another link to actually go give. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you need to, if someone's prompted to give, mm-hmm. You just make it really easy and let them give right then and there. And so that, that's the, one of the biggest pitfalls we see is they just make it too complicated. That's one of the reasons that we love uh, e-church giving and push pay is because their tools just make it so easy mm-hmm. to give. If I'm prompted to give, I mean, I can do it in a matter of seconds. So that that's a key. Um, second pitfall, and this might be unique to us here at Church Community Builder, mm-hmm. but... When churches uh, have separated whatever that giving tool is from their church management system,
5: Mm. what
2: happens is is it is one of the most important indicators that we have for discipleship and growth is giving, right? Right. When we have that data separated from the other data that we have about serving, about small group attendance and the other things that we kind of look at to measure church engagement, then we're missing a huge part of that picture. And I've seen it happen so many times where churches make uh, judgments and decisions about an individual or a family's engagement just based on giving alone, and they miss the fact that they're serving a lot or they miss the fact that they're highly committed to their small group. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's just a a big mistake. And so conversely, we also miss the opportunity to engage in a ministry conversation Mm -hmm. where we might notice a trend if we have all of that blended together, we can kind of look at it in context of other things and go, "Huh, something's changed here. Let's right. call, let's call them and see what's going on, and then that creates some really amazing uh, ministry opportunities. Mm-hmm. And when you see that giving separated, that data separated from your church management system." Those things happen all the time, where we just miss ministry opportunities and we misjudge people's engagement because we're only looking at data in silos. So those would be the, those would be the two big ones there for me, Rich.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can speak to the simplicity thing. A few years ago, we redid our uh, our website and our our giving stuff used to be buried, like you couldn't find it anywhere on our site. And um, you know, it was a bit intuitive. We moved it. We said we want to make this as easy and as you know, um, up in people's face as possible without screaming with a big red "Give Now" button, uh, but basically did everything but that. And um, you know, we ended up paying for the tr- the website re- redesign just with online donations in like three weeks. Like it was like you can see the line on our giving, you know, online giving. It was like this, and then it just jumped. Yeah. Um, and it literally was. We moved it to a much easier place to find on our site. So I, you know, totally I, I agree with that. What about that second question around, you know, isn't mobile giving particularly? Isn't that just all small, you know, pieces? Which is, obviously every donation is important, um, but you know, isn't it just small denominations?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of times that's true that there are smaller denominations that are being given through those mobile giving venues and text to give and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. In general, that might be true. But here's what we forget. Yeah, uh, is that and when we when that becomes a cumulative thing, mm. that's a big deal. So one of the things that we learned in the nonprofit world that did actually bear itself out in this study as well, that there is an increase if, if somebody's giving offline and then you let them start giving online, whether it's you know through the website or through mobile or what have you, mm-hmm. their giving goes up overall. They'll give more money than they were giving before why is that I don't know maybe I think it's just because it's easier right and so Mm -hmm. people get prompted to give for all kinds of different reasons and when we make it easy to give when they're prompted we're gonna get a little bit more money so our statistics showed that I think online giving versus offline giving when people were implementing these tools giving was going up you know 3.8 almost 4 percent something like that well that in and of itself doesn't add up to a lot of money. So if someone's given, let's say, 4000 a year, it's, you know, what is it, 150 bucks more. But look at what happens when you multiply that in a church of even just 400 people. Right. You're talking about you know $60,000 or more of new income mm-hmm. that's coming in from those little incremental gifts that people weren't giving before. So mm-hmm. I think we're really missing the boat when we just say, yeah, well, it's just incremental small gifts that we're getting now. Um, no, it's, it's it might be, but the, the cumulative effect of that is very powerful.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Derek, are you there? You seem to have switched to just an icon. Are you are you there, or uh, did did you change?
3: Sure. Your uh, uh, no, my camera just shut up. Sorry okay. about
1: that. Okay. No, that's fine. Great. Uh, and that actually ties in well, kind of where I, I had a question for you around simplicity and kind, you know, the the push pay solution. The you know e church giving solution is very straightforward. You'll get a kick out of this. I was at a church just last weekend. I was visiting. Um, you know a a a very hip church here in New York City uh that name rhymes with donkey kong and <laughs> um and it was so fun because I knew this was coming up and uh and they just pat you know just in there during their offering talk talked about how they were doing push pay and the guy beside me literally did um you know push pay and so uh that you know it was kind of a fun uh, experience, but what role does simplicity play do you think in making? You know an effective solution for people um, you know actually in the pews or in our churches you know when you think about online or, or mobile mobile solutions you know what role does that play uh, you know with you
3: yeah so I'm gonna try to move the conversation to very practical away from theory too right. we had this whole theory you know back in you know 2012 2011 when they when they started the company was that we think that people will give more, the, the simpler the process is. Right. Um, you know, and, and as we were launching into the faith-based market in 2013, they really decided to test that theory out.
5: Mm-hmm. So
3: we, at that time, uh, we just had a mobile uh, app. You know, now we have kind of a lot of other things, but we really just had this beta version of our mobile app that we gave to 260 churchgoers. Those churchgoers were spread out at a couple different uh, churches, Mm-hmm. Uh, we just tracked their giving habits for the, the next uh, three months to see what impact having uh, a 10-second mobile app would do on their giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grouped these people into three categories based on their, on their giving history. So we had our regular givers who were always giving once a month, we had our intermittent givers who were giving you know, one to two times every 90 days, mm-hmm. and then we had the people who had never given before uh, to a church. So what we saw after the end of that 90 days is that the people who were regular givers were, were now giving an average of uh, about $50 more per month.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Intermittent givers were giving uh, about $75 more per month. And the brand new givers uh, were giving an average of $143 more per month. Mm-hmm. And that was Nothing else had changed other than the company had put in their hands the ability to do a mobile payment to their church and have it happen as quick as 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, fast forward to 2014, um, and we, you know, been on with some churches for you know the entire course of the year. And so we had uh, a church who was generous enough to let us track their giving for the entire course of 2014.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, the one point that is really, really interesting to note for this, because I won't take up too much time here, but uh, for this for this church in 2014, they saw an average of 24 new givers every single month. So January was 24, February was an, another 24. That those twenty-four givers were giving an average of one hundred and fifty dollars each
5: gift.
3: Hmm. So when you're talking real practical terms for a church, that's an extra. In this case, for this church, thirty-six hundred dollars every single month that would grow and build and build and build. Mm-hmm.
5: Um,
3: you know, and so again, technology isn't everything, um, mm-hmm. but there is just this weird connection between. Uh, we now have this eight-second attention span because mm-hmm. of all of the stuff that's around us in our life. So there's this weird connection between simplicity, being able to respond in a moment, you know, making it as quick and easy as possible, and the obedience that we were talking about at the, at the start.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I hope people didn't miss that there. That was, there were some really good nuggets around... Um, you know this is if your church is looking for a next step on the stewardship kind of generosity side this is critical and we're seeing you know just real results um you know in churches and you know you it's a really definitely worth uh the risk you know the risk the you know the new step for your uh your church you know Randy your your company does work with a lot of churches um you know, in a, in a lot of different types of churches. You know, what other things are you seeing from your clients um, in regards to stewardship? What are some of the other things we're seeing in kind of the generosity stewardship sphere? Sure.
4: Um, you know, again, speaking in generalities, not necessarily um, uh, uh, specific details, but in general, we're seeing that more now than 20 years ago when I became an executive pastor. These are changes that I've seen. Money follows vision now more than ever, not mm-hmm. budget. So mm-hmm. you can tell people we're 10 percent below budget; they don't really care. Right. They do care about vision not being met, and so right. connecting the you know generosity and giving to things happening is r- really more critical now than ever. Mm-hmm. And so it's incumbent on us to always be casting vision. You know, Bill mm-hmm. Hybel said years ago, "Vision leaks," and he was mm-hmm. right. Uh, mm-hmm. It does, and so especially uh, in in the busyness of life, people can forget. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that that I, you know, and these are not always connected, they're just disparate things that we've seen. Mm -hmm. Long duration capital campaigns seem to be less effective for a lot of young churches now than they used Mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. I have a theory about that. I think it's because a lot of our younger folks have never seen a financial norm, if you will. The last Mm -hmm. seven or eight years have been tough, and so... Mm -hmm. It's been very – it's hard for a younger family to make a financial commitment multi-year given the backdrop or the history we've just been through. Mm-hmm. And I think it may that may never come back. And mm-hmm. so I think – but what we have seen be effective is shorter um, focused mm-hmm. campaigns or, mm-hmm. um, you know, projects, if you will. Mm-hmm. End of the year, Christmas, over and above giving. Those kinds of things have done really well when they're – frame correctly and when visions cast around those. And mm-hmm. so even uh, it even adds the necessity to have good quick response and mm-hmm. allow people to give in a, in a, in a manner and a means that best suits them. Mm-hmm. Um, th- the other thing that we're seeing is that growing churches today are reaching obviously more unchurched people and that's what we want. Mm-hmm. We want to see unchurched people reached. Um, 20 years ago a lot of alternative churches were attracting church people from other churches Mm. and there was a lot of transference. Well they already knew how to give and Mm. they already understood some of that. Um, To Steve's point about um, giving being an important part of discipleship and a metric toward discipleship, we've got to do some things really well to cement this and grow Mm. generosity with them. One is you have to be able to celebrate a first-time gift. That is a massively huge step for a new person, um, much more so than it would have been, say, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is, um, challenging people to take a small step sometimes can be very effective. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, if the concept of a 1% campaign to say, if you've never stepped out in faith in this area, just give 1% of your income for a season of time mm-hmm. and try it out and see. And oftentimes that becomes an impetus for consistency. And mm-hmm. then they can grow over time. And so you really are growing a giving disciple, I think, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. through that process. And it's amazing what happens to people's hearts mm-hmm. when they start investing in God's kingdom.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And so, And then the other thing is... Um, um, always connecting giving to change lives, because that's what that's people so care about. And that's so, true. you know, if, if um, they don't care, well, they sort of care that you have staff mm-hmm. and that the staff need to be paid. What they really care about is that your staff are effective at leading teams that impact people. So yes, yes. if we're not showing change lives, life change happening, I think we're missing a great opportunity to connect people to God's. You know, to what God's doing in your midst, then I think we miss uh, miss making that connection. One of the things Steve said a little while ago that I thought was really critical is silos of data.
5: Mm.
4: When you have siloed data, you have what I would call qual- you have you have quantitative you have quantitative measures. Mm-hmm. When you start to break the silos down and allow them to lean against each other and mm-hmm. work against each other. I think that 's when you start having qualitative data, and qualitative data is gold for leaders and mm-hmm. so here 's an example of qualitative data dollars given per worship attender, um, debt per worship attender things mm-hmm. like that are good examples of um, qualitative data that really help leaders lead to at the next level mm-hmm. so
1: yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. There's a lot packed in there. I, as a local church leader, um you know a couple things really resonated there on the front end. Um, you know, we've been over this last couple of years. We're kind of in the the pre phase, getting ready for a, uh, a one of those short term capital initiatives that you spoke about, maybe a eighteen month, two year campaign. And over this last year, we made concerted effort to literally every weekend connect people's giving to the vision. And so every Sunday, um, thank you so much for giving. Because you gave today, um, this is the amazing thing that's happening. And you know, and it, yeah, and consistently, you know, literally every Sunday. And you know we that and an effective year-end campaign. Our year-end campaign um, was a huge stretch goal. It was our biggest goal ever, um, and we ended up being just shy of 50% over response rate from it. So we blew the you know blew the doors out of it. You know God did an incredible thing, um, which for us is exciting. We're like, hey, God's you know up to something. Um, and so, you know, I, I really appreciate that. We have had some questions come in that if you guys have, got, have a few minutes, I wouldn't mind jumping into some of those. Yeah. Um, Steve, why don't we start with you? Steve, from your perspective, um, you know, from CCB's perspective, how many churches, kind of by percentage, are engaged with online giving? Uh, yeah, I saw that
2: question when it popped up. And uh, here's the, this might be a little bit skewed, right? Because pretty much every church that we work with does online giving. Uh, with our sample size for the survey. Was I think pretty close to every church that we work with, and so the churches we're working with, you know, they're they're sophisticated enough to use a web-based church management system, then they're probably they're doing online giving. Right. So um, in terms of the, the the percentage of churches that we're doing. What we would call the integrated online giving, which is what we were talking about there, and what I was talking about earlier, where it's not a silo. Yeah. About sixty-seven percent of our churches were doing that, and then the others were doing something different. Um, so, uh, so I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of what we saw in our in our sampling.
1: Okay, um, Derek, a question for you. Um, you know, some older people say 50s and up uh, have expressed fear about online banking uh, due to debit credit card information being compromised. I've had it happen to me twice. I've had twice my, my debit, uh, <clears throat> thousands of dollars taken out of a debit account. It's amazing how quickly the banks give you your money back. That's an incredible uh, thing, but that's out there, right, that people know that. Um, you know, how do you address or how do you encourage churches to address that fear uh, in their, their congregations?
3: Yeah, it's it's a very real fear, and you know there is that whole um, that whole like really take care of your finances and take care of your privacy and security aspect mm-hmm. that uh, don't necessarily come from a company like us. But I would really, really encourage church leaders to have that as part of their teaching, along mm-hmm. with having the tools in place. Uh, again, technology doesn't replace obedience or practicality. Um, And so making sure that you've got a really good plan in place for if a compromise does happen. Um, I mean, companies like ours are required regulation-wise to have the highest level of what we call PCI compliance. And so from our standpoint, we're taking care of this data. And I mean, just if you walked through our office here, uh, we just kind of have this own internal policy. If a a person ever walks away from their terminal at our office and Mm -hmm. somebody catches them, like can get to their keyboard before they can, uh, we all have to put $20 into a jar, which means, <laughs> we're, we're so incredibly serious about that type of thing, but there are still going to be those breaches that happen, like you mentioned. Um, that's just kind of the era that we live in until we move to more of a, of a token uh, based credit card system. Um, and, and so I would encourage churches to have that teaching in place as, as part of just kind of their curriculum as well.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: I know. Uh, Steve, Randy, you have anything to add on that?
2: You know, Rich, the only thing I would add to that
3: would be um,
2: it's kind of like there's some personal responsibility, I think, in that too, right? If we don't ever pay attention to what's going on in our credit card and our bank accounts, well, then that's that's not, you know, there's some personal responsibility. We need to take some responsibility to just monitor that stuff, just like we monitor our credit and other things. So there's not, I don't think there's ever going to be a solution that's infallible because the hackers are always going to find some way in, but it gets better all the time, Mm -hmm. but again, if we're just paying attention to what's going on in our accounts, I think that will mitigate a lot of it, and as you said, Rich, Mm -hmm. if if you find something that's uh, that's fraudulent, the bank or the credit card company, they're awesome at getting that turned around really Mm -hmm. quick.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, so I'm not an expert in this stuff at all. These are the, the people you're talking to way to know about this stuff way more than me. But as just a user, um, having been through that twice, the one thing I learned is that it seems like the actual there's a higher level of risk with you handing a credit card or a bank card. Over to a guy at a gas station. There's a much higher because that's where it happened both times with me. There's a uh, much higher risk with that than there is with any of this online giving stuff. That it's, the actual physical possession of the card, um, you know, anytime you and it's like with your own personal computer. You know, if someone holds on to your, if you can get physical hands on your computer, they can do all kinds of problems with it. Um, yeah. Again, I don't. I'm not an expert in it, but that's my
4: understanding. Uh, I I would add this uh, just to that to that conversation though. If you want to kill a ministry, mess up with finances, uh, regardless of age. You know the older older folks certainly, but everyone. And so we we um, we're not approaching it as individuals, but as we work with churches, we are really diligent about coaching them never to have a financial problem, breach, or or whatever, because we know what kind of destruction that could do to ministry. Very true. If people lose confidence in. Your ministry's ability to handle their finances—they are going to be very reluctant to give. I don't care how you open the—you uh, know what what venue you you offer them to give via. So,
1: all right. This question's for Steve. Scott asked this question. He's now. You know, Steve, this is him asking the question, not me. He's asking a hardball question here. Okay. There's, a, there's a lot of talk, particularly in the Next Generation Generosity eBook, uh, about how the impact of offering online and mobile giving. What is the incremental increase in giving from merely adding mobile if you're already offering online giving? Seems potentially misleading to lump the two options together for comparison uh, to offering neither. So a sense on that, do you understand the question? Yeah, yeah, I think I understand that, um, and if I'm understanding that correctly, that
2: might be actually uh, a better question for Derek to answer, because okay. we're yeah. just kind of looking at it as a whole for our churches, and maybe Derek can speak to the specific advantage of the mobile
3: piece. Cool. Uh, yeah, happy to. So the one, the one thing to say right off the bat is that um, online and mobile is sometimes hard to track on, on the church's end, Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes what we're seeing, too, is um, the, what a lot of times we're calling a mobile experience is actually just a kind of a mobile version of an online page that someone is viewing on on their mm-hmm. phone. Mm-hmm. So the way that we measure it on our end, so that 2013 study that I told you about, that 260-person case study, mm-hmm. when we were looking at the $50 to $75 to $143 increase, that was just simply from a mobile app. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have any way to compare that to online, uh, what they were doing online, but that's straight mobile. Uh, the other thing I will tell you, too, is that we ran our December uh, transaction numbers uh, here internally. So we're working with several hundred churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ran We took that whole bulk of data out, anonymized it, and we were able to just see kind of how much uh, total giving through our system comes from a mobile versus online. Mm-hmm. And We actually saw 66% of all transactions coming through Pushpray were mobile. And again, we have the ability to do mobile, online, etc. Um, when we removed the reoccurring uh, transactions, that number actually jumped up to 80%. Hmm. Um, and so there is, uh, I can't, so I don't have like an exact you know, increment that would go up from online versus mobile, but I can tell you that the more and more people that are, that are being introduced to mobile, the more people want to use that experience.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Very cool. Well, this has been a great conversation. We're going to give uh, each of you a last word, kind of a little bit of a right lightning round. Uh, what would you say to church leaders? This has been a you know a fantastic conversation. You know to learn. I know for me it's been informative, and you know I hope it's uh, it's poked and prodded you if you're listening in uh, to be thinking about um, you know mobile giving, online giving, next generation generosity uh, in your church. Uh, and these are obviously great organizations to start uh, the conversations with. So why don't we go Steve, Derek, and then uh, Randy, and we'll. Uh, we'll wrap up there. So Steve, any last word and then how can people get in touch with uh, your organization if they want more information?
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, la- I think my last word is really just a-, a sum up of what has already been said in different ways by all of us and that is that um, we really just need to understand that in order to maximize the generosity potential that is kind of in- within our churches and our ministries. It's just really important that we remove as many barriers as we can to giving and, and really, as, as Jesus talked about in terms of the Gospel, reach people where they are. Mm. And We know that everyone's got different preferences in terms of giving, so let's not limit the number of preferences that we offer those people so that we can unlock all of that generosity that's latent within our churches, yeah. um, and then as far as getting in touch with uh, with us, churchcommunitybuilder.com com is the uh, is the web address. That's always the best way to do that. If anybody ever wants to interact with me personally, Twitter is a good place to do that. Um, CCB Steve is uh, my Twitter account, so I always enjoy connecting there as well. Nice,
1: Derek. Cool.
3: So the uh, the final thing that I'll say is um, just that um, I think all of us here at, on this webinar would agree that this the idea of the culture of generosity is is of huge importance to us. Mm, mm. So even as technology companies, we're still continuing to explore how do we make sure that the culture of generosity is getting passed on to the next generation? Mm. Uh, that is one of the bigger concerns that we hear from pastors. If I move to online or mobile, that's a, that's a siloed individual experience. Mm. They don't get to watch their parents do that. And so then this dies even more and more and more. Mm. So I hear ideas even from, from denominational leaders like, well, we still want to have envelopes for online giving where they can check a box and say, I gave online and throw that. Because they just want to make sure that there's a repeatable action that people can see and witness and kind mm. of reined into you. Mm. Uh, so I'm not saying that we have the best answer for how to make sure that happens. But then you know, partnering with us isn't saying to your congregation, we're neglecting the importance of the culture, or we're neglecting mm. the importance of, of those practices.
5: Mm-hmm. It's
3: just saying that, that this is now the easiest way for people to give, and we don't want to stand in the way of that. And then we're going to work together as a community and a church body. Mm-hmm. To that we don't lose the community aspect of giving. Um, so that would be my only last thing to say. Um, you know, Getting in touch with us is pretty easy. We just have the eChurchGiving.com site. There's a bunch of uh, contact forms on there on any given page, so go ahead and fill one of those out. Um, but I'm also on Twitter um, on a regular basis, maybe a little bit too much. Uh, <laughs> Derek Gillette Co. Um, it stands for company because, uh, like I said, my wife and I have got five kids. There's a bunch of us kind of tagging along. Really appreciate the opportunity.
1: Nice Randy we're, a word from you
4: sure um, well, first of all i this th- thankfully, this is easier than it 's ever been. Technology is starting to become easier, especially if you partner with 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 uh, companies um, that that really get church and really want to serve you well and um, and partner with uh, Partners that play well together, that work well together, understand each other, and have common values. So, mm-hmm. and I certainly would include Derek and Steve and their their teams into that mix with, with us. And so we love working with people that we see have heart and passion for church and wanna wanna really um, serve the church well, so that leaders can continue to do what only they can do. Um, having said that. Um, We try, regardless of whether we can ever serve you directly as a client or not, we want to serve the local church well. And so we try to keep good information on our website and our blog posts um, on a regular basis. Please visit us at magbookkeeping.com and check us out and just peruse resources a bit. And we try to stay timely and... And uh, relevant for you, and we really do want to serve you well. Um, I am Randy at MagBookkeeping.com. If if you would like to email me, but you can also find that a link um, email link that can get to me there from our website. So love to love to connect with anyone and help in any way we can. And uh, more than anything, see that you are well served so that you can serve the, the people God is sending your way. Nice.
1: Well, thanks for, so much for tuning in, uh, friends. We're so glad that you've taken some time out of your day uh, to listen in. I know that as a church leader, you have a lot of different things to wrestle through and think through, uh, and this is an important one. So thank you for taking time investing that today, whether you watch the live stream or listening in uh, to a, a replay later. Uh, we're so glad that you've taken some time out. I really would recommend you reach out to these, uh, all three of these guys and their organizations. They are there to help. Uh, want to help your, your church go further faster, and it would be uh, worth your time, effort, and energy uh, to connect with them. So thanks so much and have a wonderful week. Hopefully things go well for the rest of this week as you prepare uh, for this weekend uh, of church services. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter